Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. God's like, you can't curse them. They won't be cursed. You can't curse them because you want to curse them. You can't do it. You, I mean, he couldn't. He would If he could have cursed the people, he would have. And he couldn't do it. God wouldn't allow it to be done. You may not curse those people. Why? Because they're my people. Because I have said that they are blessed. So this is what we can take for us as New Testament believers. If God has said that you are blessed, if God has said that you are his, if God, whatever God has said about us is what we need to receive and hold as truth. This world can do their worst to Christians, ridicule, persecute, and even kill us, but they can't curse your soul. Nothing they can do can affect the way that God looks at you. If you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you have no reason for fear. You're secured and protected from spiritual destruction. As Pastor Bill will encourage us in today's message, all through Scripture, we find assurance that our God keeps His promises. He won't allow His children to suffer wrath. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 22 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Verse 29, it says, And Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have abused me, I wish you, I wish there were a sword in my hand, for now I would kill you. I don't know if it's more amazing that the donkey talked or that Balaam, without skipping a beat, just start talking back to him like nothing happened, you know? Um, they just, just like they just like this happens all the time. This is normal communication going back and forth with the donkey. Um, somebody that I read pointed out, you know, that ministers shouldn't think so much of themselves that, you know, they get to be God's spokesman. Uh, because he, God even speaks through donkeys. And, and, and you know, many of us are evidence that he, he continues to do the same, you know. But here God is actually speaking through this donkey. Why does he do this? It, it reminds us this, that God has authority over the animal kingdom. They're, they're, he has authority over everything. And here he has authority over this donkey, and he just speaks through the donkey. Um, some people will read a story like this and say, that's ridiculous. You believe that? Do you believe that? Really? I mean, you really believe that that's that's what some of the stories and scenarios in the Bible. Jonah, you really believe a, a great big people call him a whale, but it doesn't say that you really believe some great big fish swallowed a man whole for three days and he spit him up. Really? You really believe it was a donkey and it talked for real? You believe in Genesis that, that the snake literally talked to the woman for real? Um, and I would say this, right? This is where as believers, I either believe that. This is the living word of Almighty God. Can God do this? Yeah, he can. He can do anything. He says he did it. I believe believers, we have to be of the position that, man, this, this is what he said he did. I believe that we're to take the Bible at, at face value, um, not to try to allegorize it. You know, that probably didn't really happen. It's kind of an allegory, uh, you know, to really kind of show us. Uh, some people spiritualize the Bible. God says that he spoke to the donkey. He spoke to the donkey. And I think we just need to b- believe that. And um, again, there are people that struggle with this, and I believe those are people that have struggled with. Uh, if you struggle with those things, you'll struggle with other areas of your faith and your walk. As we coming up this uh, Sunday to Resurrection Sunday, for some people, that's a big, I mean, you really believe that he rose, and he rose from the grave, he came back. I've never seen somebody come back to life. Um, and that's where, you know, we, we come back to the words. Like, do I believe the word of God? Do I believe all of the word of God? Do I believe every word of God? And we need to be people that are believing it. God says he spoke through the donkey. Three times Balaam beat the donkey. The donkey finally speaks to him and he says, I wish I had a sword. I'd kill you. Verse 30. So the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey on which you have written? 
ever since I became yours to this day. It's like sentimental donkey. He's like, man, I've been your donkey all this time, man. He said, was I ever disposed to do this to you? Um, and he said, no. They're just having an ongoing, the donkey said, have I ever done this to you before, man? No. Um, you know, then the Lord appeared, or, sorry, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, verse 31, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. Now I want to point something out. This, this is amazing to me. He, this is, I look at this and I'm thinking, God, why are you wasting all this supernatural stuff on rebellious people? Like, you're wasting, I mean, donkey speak. How come somebody faithful can't see the donkey speak? How come he gets to see, this, this, this wicked prophet gets to see the angel of the Lord, Christ, before he comes in Bethlehem. You're speaking to him directly. He's hearing from you right now. He gets his eyes open to see the unseen realm, to see God, you know, to see the angel of the Lord at this time. And he sees the angel of the Lord standing there with his sword and God's showing him all these things. And, I mean, it looks like he's impacted, he falls down. Looks like he's humbled before the Lord and broken. He said he fell flat on his face. And verse 32, and the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. And God tells him what's wrong. God says, you know what? I, I came out against you because your way, your way is perverse before me. Um, and I want to take a moment here. Um, God says, the reason I'm against you, the reason that I'm coming against you right now is because your way is perverse. What's he doing that's perverse? You want to curse my people for money. That's, that's not why I gave you a prophetic gift. That's not my plan for your life. That's not what I want you to do. That's what you want to do. Your way is perverse. And I would ask all of us just to check our lives. Is there any way in your life that's perverse? You know what perverse is? Perverted is a twisting of something from its original intent. Um, it's a twisting. It's, it's, um, this was the original intent for that, and now you perverted the way. You know, we would look at, uh, I would look at something like homosexuality and say that's a perversion of what God intended. God intended for a man and a woman to come together when a man and a man or a woman and a woman is a perversion of what God originally intended. Uh, there could be other things that are a perversion of what God wants. Now, if God created you, and he has, with specific gifts and callings and things that he wants to do through you for his glory, and you choose to go another way with your life, your way is perverse. God would say, I didn't create you to do that. I didn't create you to be about that right there. I created you for this thing over here. And so we could all evaluate ourselves before the Lord. Like, is my way perverse or is my way straight before the Lord? Uh, am I walking in what God has given me to do? And that's where we want to find ourselves. Uh, one of the glorious things uh, for New Testament saints is that there are people that were once perverse in their way. That because of the blood of Christ and the forgiveness of sins and the work of the Holy Spirit, they get completely transformed to where now their way is straight. We don't become perfect, but, but we're people walking according to purpose. We're walking in direction, um, no longer walking in a perverse way. Uh, and God affords us that opportunity. He gives us the opportunity to do that. So, so we should evaluate our lives. Is my way perverse? Is there any part of my life where I keep going, I keep pushing against God to go that way and I need to stop pushing against God? It would be a healthy thing to acknowledge those things and don't be in opposition. Don't, you don't want to be fighting against God, right? Nobody fights God and wins. And if you fight God and win, you lose. You lose. There's no, there's no, there's no, victory, there's no victory in fighting God. I want to yield to the Lord. And so 
um, he tells him, man, your, your way is perverse. That's why I'm here. And we're going to see that the Lord was actually there to kill him. Verse 33, the donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would have killed you by now and let her live. Again, for those that think God is all mushy, mushy, lubby, lubby, God said, look, I would have killed you. A donkey saved your life. If you would have kept on coming, the angel, I was here to do so. I was here to discipline you to death. You was going to die today. And again, for some people, that part of who God is is a little difficult for them to stomach. You know, um, but God says, you know, there's, I, I would discipline you. You would have died today if that donkey hadn't stopped, if that donkey hadn't fallen down. Now, I read this. We're not going to get, you know, there's, we're going to have to end the story in this chapter. But as we, you know, there's two more chapters of Balaam's life that we're going to be looking at in here. But as you read this, wouldn't you guys think that this confrontation from the Lord himself would be enough to stop this man? I would think I read this and I think that would do it. I mean, right now, done. God, God just told me he was about to kill me through the mouth of a donkey. Um, I think that would do it. I think. But we're going to see. You'll see as we continue through the story. He comes up with another way to try to get Israel cursed. Once he realized that he can't do it, he's persistent about trying to get him his little things and his stuff. Um, this doesn't do it. And again, there are people that think, man, you know what? You know what would make more people get saved that they saw more supernatural. Can I tell you that that's false? All you got to do is look at the ministry of Jesus. There, you, 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 you look at the ministry of Jesus, you read the gospels, and it looks like everywhere he went, people were healed. Um, in some places, that was the case. In some places, he went to a town and everybody in the town, demons were cast out, sick people were healed. But guess what? Did, the, did all those people become believers? Nope. They didn't. He, he, I mean... My mind thinks if Jesus came into town and everybody here in this city that was sick was healed and everybody that had somebody deemed possessed was cast out. My mind says that everybody would just be like, whoa, I worship you. You are the king of kings and the Lord of lords, no doubt. But that's not what happened. He would go into these towns and great works would take place. And there'd be a, some people that would believe um, there would be many people that would begin to follow him. But not many believers were born through just the miraculous. And so. Again, I read this here and my mind says that that would blow me away. I would be sold out, but he's not going to be sold out. This isn't enough for him. Uh, this doesn't this doesn't bring him to a place of of, of surrender and in this way to the Lord. And so now it says um, in verse 34 and Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned for I did not know that you stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back for real. God told him first time he asked that, it, no, I don't want you to go. You, you, you shouldn't go with them. And why are you with them anyway? Uh, but now he says, hey, if it displeases you, Lord, I'll, I'll go back. No problem. Verse 35. Then the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, no, go, go ahead and go with them. But only the word that I speak to you, that you shall speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Now, when Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him in the city of Moab, which is on the border of Arnon the boundary of the territory. Then Balak said to Balaam, did I not earnestly send to you calling for you? Why did you not come to me? Am I not able to honor you? And so you got this pagan king trying to woo him. He says, hey man, when I called you, why you didn't come? Now, again, in that culture, if you were the king and you're rich and you call someone, you expect them to drop what they're doing and come. So he's a little bit perturbed. He's like, hey man, I, I called with Am I not able to honor you? What took you so long? You know, when I called, man, you need to jump. You need to come. I'm the king. Verse 38. 
And Balaam said to Balak, look, I have come to you. Now have I any power at all to say anything? The word that God puts in my mouth that I must speak. And I'm still blown away as I look at his disobedience and rebellion that he's still confident that God's going to put a word in his mouth. Um, you know, we know in the New Testament, Romans, it says that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable without repentance. Um, and even though I see a guy here that just doesn't seem like his life is surrendered, uh, there's still a gift. There's still a, a there's still a connection. God is still responding to him. God speaks to him. Um, and he says, hey, I'm, I'm going to speak to you guys. What God tells me, he knows that he's going to hear words from the Lord. Verse 39. So Balaam went with Balak and they came to Kerjab, his, his off. Then Balak offered oxen, sheep, and he sent some to Balaam and to the princes who were with him. So it was the next day that Balak took Balaam and brought him up to the high place of, of Baal. And from there, he might observe the extent of the people. Now, um, this is going to prove to be a mistake. He, he takes Balaam up and he wants him to see the, all the people out there. And he's going to look out there and see Israel. Israel's deep. Um, some people think that there's it's upwards of two million people. I mean, they're they're just out there, you know, just, you know, if you could imagine that many people and how much land they would cover um, bordering right up against your city. And he's looking out at all these people out there. And as he looks out there and he sees them, um, he's going to understand what 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 what, uh, what what Balak is afraid of, what he's what he's worried about. Um, and he's going to work with Balak to try to come up with another way. And so. I want to do a couple things. I'm going to look at a little bit of, of chapter 23 with this, but I, I, I want you to consider this as a as a believer, as a Christian, as someone who God does speak to us. God does have a will and a purpose and a plan. There are things that God makes known to us um, as I'm reading this. And I know God is the same yesterday, today and forever. I'm realizing that I mean, there are things that I could take what God has gifted me or given to me. And I could operate in the thing that God has gifted me or given me to do in a way that's selfish, that's totally selfish. And that's why when you study the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we realize that the gifts have two functions. They're for the edifying of the body and what else? The glory of God. That's it. The gifts are not for gain. They're not for personal gain, for profit. The gifts are for edifying the body and they're for the, so the building up of the saints or the edifying of the people around us and for glorifying God. That's why God gives us the gifts, that his body might be edified and built up and that he might be glorified. Um, if we take from those things that God has gifted us to do and God forbid that we would use them to aid non-believers in coming against them. I, I can't even think of, I'm like, how could a believer use a gift to aid non-believers in coming against the church? And I'm gonna tell you, I, I, I was pondering this yesterday and there's a, and I, I've talked about it before, but there's, there's a show, uh, they did a show called The Preachers of L.A. They got one right now called The Preachers of Atlanta. Now, I'm sure that not all of these people are even saved that are pastors. I believe that the A&E network that puts this show together is against the church. And they hand select. They found one guy that's a pastor on the show. His father was a pastor of a mega church. And while pastoring the mega church came out and said, you know what, I'm gay. And so um, obviously the church shrunk and people left. And so his son ended up, his dad ended up moving on somewhere else. He's now he's a gay pastor somewhere else. So his son Judah took over the church, uh, but he's very pro-gay. And 
what he does on his part of the show is to make people feel like he's actually against the church. He's a pastor. He's like, man, the church was so bad to my dad because he came out that he was gay. And so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a new generation. I'm going to do a new thing where, where I'm going to make it accepted. And so that's this guy. Then you got a woman on the show, and she's a pastor, and she's on Periscope getting drunk, telling people that, you know, I want people to know that I'm just like them. She's on social media drunk, and she cusses and, you know, fights with her husband, fist fights, like, and then goes and ministers at church. And so imagine the non-believer looking at this. Now, if any of them are saved or they are called, I'm looking at their, the, the, the world has them because they're getting paid to be on this show. For gain, they're like, I'm, I'm willing to go on this show, act a fool, and shame the name of Christ because more non-believers are going to watch that show and say, see, I knew it was all about. The L.A. one, it was all about the money. This one right here, it's like they picked a batch of really, really, really ungodly people. Um, and they said that these are pastors and they're making a bunch of money off of you guys. And the world is looking at it and just greed. And so as I'm looking at this thing, man, is it possible to take someone that's got a gift? Because some of these people are great spokespeople. They got voices to sing. Uh, they can speak. They're eloquent, you know. But what they're doing with their ability right now is actually hurting the church, not helping. And so that was an example of what I saw. So as I look at Balaam and how he's using what God has given him in a way that's actually coming, he's trying to come against what God really wants. And so I'm going to read just the first section of 23, and then we're going to wrap it up for tonight. I'm not going to go much further, but just the first section of chapter 23, it says in verse 1, Then Balaam said to Balak, Build seven, seven altars for me here, and prepare for me seven bulls and seven rams. And Balak did just as Balaam had spoken. And Balak and Balaam offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Again, now he's offering sacrifices with a non-believer. I, I don't get it. Then Balaam said to Balak, stand by your burnt offering and I will go. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet me and whatever he shows me, I will tell you. So he went to a desolate height. So he says, hey, wait here. I've offered this offering so that God will meet me. Now I'm going to go by myself and see if the Lord comes down to meet with me. Um, verse four. And God met Balaam and said to him, I have prepared. Um, and he said to the Lord, he said to him, I have prepared seven altars and I have offered on each altar a bull and a ram. Then the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, return to Balak and thus you shall speak. So he returned to him and there, there he was standing by his burnt offering, he and all the princes of Moab. And he took up his oracle and Balak, the king of Moab, has brought me from Aram, from the mountains of the east. Come curse Jacob for me and come denounce Israel. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? For from the top of the rocks, I see him. And from the hills, I behold him. There, a people dwelling alone, not reckoning itself among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number one fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let my end be like his. And it's the last verse. Then Balaam then Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies and look, you have blessed them bountifully. This is what God does here. God says, okay, God says, okay, you know what? Go ahead. I'm going to have some fun with you. You go up, go up there, offer the sacrifices. I'm going to, I'm going to put, and God just put a word in his mouth and he could only say what God said. And so God has him looking out over this ridge of all this group of people and God actually speaks a blessing. Now he is aware. He said, remember he said, when, ba when Balak came to Balaam, he said, I know that whoever you bless is blessed. 
And whoever you curse is cursed. I know that much about you. Um, he knows that there's a, a genuine prophetic gift that w- what he says comes from the Lord. So now as he stands here in front of the king of Moab, in front of all the people of Moab who are looking for the peace, they're looking for, they're looking to be kind of uh, put at ease as the people get cursed. They go, okay, now, now we know that they're not going to prosper against us. And God says, no, he, he spoke a blessing over them instead. I'm going to close with that, but I want you to consider this because I think it's awesome. As I look at this group of people, God's like, you can't curse them. They won't be cursed. You can't curse them because you want to curse them. You can't do it. You, I mean, he couldn't. He would If he could have cursed the people, he would have. And he couldn't do it. God wouldn't allow it to be done. You may not curse those people. Why? Because they're my people. Because I have said that they are blessed. So this is what we can take for us as New Testament believers. If God has said that you are blessed, if God has said that you are his, if God, whatever God has said about us is what we need to receive and hold as true. There are people that, according to scripture, God has said they are saved. And the enemy might want to wear on your mind and cause you to doubt and consider rather you are or you are. If God has said, you believed in me um, and the work that I've done for you, then you are. We need to claim and cling to what God has said about us. I'm encouraged as I read this here, because again, before now, now we're kind of focusing on Balaam and Balak and Moab and these people. But we've been studying this group of people. And this isn't a good group of people. They haven't been a faithful group of people. They're not a great group of people. But God is a great God. And he is faithful to the end. God says even if, I mean, he says that, 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 that he, can't, he can't even, it's, it's part of his DNA, his nature, that he has to remain faithful. Even if we're faithless, he's still faithful. Why? Because he can't even deny himself. He can't do it. He just is faithful. And so I would just encourage us tonight two areas. One, um, like Balaam, um, we, don't, we don't want to be like Balaam in, in terms of using our gifts, our abilities, or anything that God has put in your stewardship, that it would be used in a way that would shame or come against the work of God. We want to use everything that we are to be a blessing to the work of God. So make sure that you are a blessing to the people of God, to the work of God. You could be a blessing in praying and being an encouragement, using your gifts, your time, your talent. There's so many ways that we can just be a blessing to one another, speaking God's word to each other, uplifting one another, just loving on one another. We want to make sure that God, everything that I am is being used to uplift and build up what you're into, your people that you've blessed. Second, if you're one that's prone to get down on yourself, feel all messed up. Uh, every time you mess up, you be in the in the gutter and you just all woe is you and you feel all pitiful and miserable and everything else. Um, if, if, if you can't look at this and see that God is able to love us when we're unlovely, he's able to love the unlovely. He's able to be good to us when we haven't been good to him. God's faithful even when you're not faithful. And you know what the Bible says? It's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. Sometimes just the awareness of that, that God, I've been messing up. I've done all these different things and you're still good to me. I quit. I'm going to just do right. I'm going to just, just be obedient. I don't want to go against you anymore. It's the goodness of God. It's not the baseball bat. God says sometimes just, just the awareness of his goodness will bring a man and bring a woman just to repentance. Where we finally just say, okay, I, I, he's so good. I just want to be good. I just want to walk with him. I just want to love him back. May we meditate on his goodness. That, that, that it would just minister to your heart, that you'd be aware of how good he is, how much he loves you. Last thing, as we're all called to be people of prayer, be careful that your prayer life is not like Balaam's prayer life. 
pressing God for what he wants. Make sure you, I mean, you, you bring everything before the Lord. The Bible says to do it. Let your request be made known to God. Let it all be brought before him. But seek him for his will, not yours. Amen. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. As we study through the book of Numbers, do you relate to how the people wanted to rebel, complain, and doubt what God's doing? Throughout this book, it's easy to pick up on a theme that God doesn't look kindly at a rebellious spirit or behavior. However, He corrects the people in a way that causes them to come back to Him with the right kind of heart. The lessons that He taught them are the same ones He teaches you today. He wants you to live fully for Him, not just say one thing and do another. This means not going about your ministry complaining about the things that bother you. God wants you to be overflowing with gratitude for what He's doing in your life and to look back at the struggles and recognize that He was the one who got you through. Are you enjoying these things that you're gaining from the book of Numbers? Today's message is available to listen to again on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. Once you're there, just click on the Teachings tab. Otherwise, feel free to download our mobile app to listen to more messages like this. Just search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest information on service times and locations. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of A Transforming Word.